Welcome to Insights Now, a series of conversations designed to shine a light of clarity on the complex world of investing. We've entitled our second season Asset Class. After years of very good returns, broad indices of US stocks and bonds look expensive relative to history. This reality both limits future returns and increases the risk of a market correction. Investors who want to enhance future returns or reduce risk may need to adopt a more sophisticated approach, looking at different sectors and styles within US equities and bonds, and looking at other assets to diversify their portfolios. And that's what Asset Class is all about. In each episode, we look at an area of investing and speak to an expert in this area. In recent years, we've seen much greater attention being paid to ESG investing and sustainability. Part of this reflects a greater awareness of impact investing, as investors try to contribute to progress in areas that align with their personal values. However, ESG has increasingly also been seen as a way to enhance long-term returns, both by latching onto the fast-growing technologies necessary to combat global warming, and by protecting portfolios from social and governance issues that frequently undermine long-term profitability. Given this increased interest in ESG investing, I'm so glad today to be joined by Jennifer Wu, who leads the Sustainable Investing Leadership Team here at J.P. Morgan Asset Management. So Jennifer, welcome to Insights Now. Thank you, David. ESG is a relatively new style of investing. Could you help us understand what ESG is and how we should think about it in relation to sustainability? Yeah, sure. So ESG stands for Environmental, Social and Governance. It is about a collection of what we call extra financial uh, information and data that can really help us to get a better understanding that, uh, about the companies and assets that we invest in. And sustainability or sustainable investing is really about taking a forward-looking view by incorporating some of those financially material ESG factors into the investment processes with the goal to generate better risk-adjusted return over the long run. So to put it simply, sustainability is embedded in how we think about the longevity uh, of a company's operation, and ESG really is the data and tool that we use to measure that. Okay, well, recognizing that ESG investing is still evolving, it's already come a long way. How has it transformed since the early days? Well, I think, David, you're right to say that even though the market is still trying to figure out uh, what ESG is and the whole concept of integrating sustainability into the investment, it does have come quite a long way. If you think about it in the early days, when people still use the term socially responsible investing, uh, most investors approached it uh, through the way of what we call values-based exclusionary investing, right? This is really about um, excluding companies or sectors from the portfolio that doesn't really align with your own personal values. Now, ESG is really used in a variety of ways, and I will bucket them into two categories. The first category is ESG integration. And what that means is using ESG data and information to really understand the risks and, and opportunities that a company face. So factor that view into the valuation with the objective to increase or enhance your risk-adjusted return. So this is not about values alignment. And the other category of ESG is really using it uh, as a criteria to redefine um, and also to uh, redefine the values that you believe in. So for example, you could use that to exclude or include certain securities um, and, and with the goal to achieve a what we call dual objective, right? So financial and impact oriented. So in some strategies, that impact outcome is probably more important than the financial objective. 
The distinction between these two groups is actually very important because ESG can be used in a very different way. Um, but the bottom line is that it has to be very linked to the objective that you're trying to seek. Given all these changes, how would you say ESG improves the investment process? Well, ESG is really about going back to the basics, if you think about it, right? It is a lens for us to look at how well and efficient a company is doing at managing its resources and businesses. So I like to think about it in the context of input and output. Um, So we want to understand how a company is managing all of its input that's required for producing goods and services. And that includes, um, you know, for instance, water, uh, it includes human capital, it includes even fossil fuel, for example. And from an operational uh, efficiency standpoint, we want to know that if a company is really using these resources efficiently and effectively, because it concerns the cost of running a business, right, as well as productivity. And all of these are about bottom line. And on the other hand, we also care about the output, i.e. the products that a company produces, the customer it serves, and the stakeholders that it touches. This is really important because if they are not managed well, you can imagine that there could be a violation of regulation, for example, like health and safety issues in, in the products that they produce, or even reputational risks as a result of scandal, right? And at the end, the foundation really is about um, governance, right? How is the board and the management structured so that they can really ensure that these things are managed properly? It's also about the independence of the board, capital allocation strategy, uh, executive compensation, and risk management. It seems that ESG is gaining a lot of momentum, particularly over the past year. Why now? Well, I think there are really three key drivers behind this movement over the last few years, right? The first one really is about new regulations and technology that are reshaping and redefining the fundamentals of many of the business practices, right? Examples like data privacy, customer data privacy, and risk management, Uh, transition to a low-carbon economy that is going to create winners and losers across all sectors. The other reasons why, um, uh, you know, this is being happening, uh, this is, this, sorry about this. The other reason why um, this has been driving uh, the growth of ESG market is really about evolving societal norms. Um, customers want to associate with sustainability. And while many of them are actually changing their consumption patterns, uh, like switching to electric vehicle, looking at co- the carbon footprint of the coffee they drink, um, or eating less red meat. And the last thing I want to say is really about better data and tools. As I mentioned earlier, like we can now go beyond what companies disclose. Uh, we can now go beyond backward-looking st- static, static data. And we now have the ability to also tap into alternative data, uh, such as Glassdoor, to get a better understanding of employee sentiment, uh, ter- turnover, and a broader human capital management. So to make use of all of that data, we really need machine learning and artificial intelligence to unlock the opportunity. So, you know, in my mind, ESG research is really now entering into a brand new phase. So looking at the world through an ESG lens, what is the role of the public versus the private sector? Well, I think sustainability is top of mind for both the regulators and companies, as we just talked about, right? And both are needed in order to truly move the dial. The support from the public sector, for example, through policy and regulations, will really set the tone on how private sectors are incentivized to invest in new innovative technologies. Take uh, carbon transition as an example. 
to really significantly reduce our overall greenhouse gas emissions in the next decade, it is not enough to just fly less or eat less red meat, right? Infrastructure needs to be revamped, such as transportation, energy production, and so is manufacturing and agriculture. And the other, the other way to look at it is that if you look at the impact investing side, the pandemic last year really disrupted the implementation towards many of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals around like poverty alleviation, education, et cetera. And at the heart of the problem, there is this number, which is 2.5 trillion annual funding gap, right? And that's a significant lack of investments dedicated to sustainability. And a lot of that is linked to a low level of private sector participation still. So the public capital or public sector really plays a very important role to, um, you know, if they are able to come up quickly with policies to really allow a holistic consideration and mobilization uh, such that all public, private, domestic, and international financing resources can, can all come into play and help with that funding gap. Speaking of private sector innovation, do you have specific examples of areas of innovation and technological advancement that could provide growth opportunities to investors? That's a really good question, uh, David, because I think a lot of people tend to forget about that there is the opportunity side of uh, the equation. Um, so sustainability, including climate change, is not really just about enhancing how we do things, but more importantly, it's about disrupting how we do things so that it really creates a positive long-term outcome for all stakeholders. I'm very excited about the innovation that's emerging to facilitate a low-carbon transition, and this includes renewable energy, battery storage, energy efficiency, and also agriculture tech. Transition to a low-carbon economy is, in my mind, the most significant trend in our lifetime, and we're only at the beginning of this. So there is going to be innovation in every sector. We haven't yet covered the S in ESG, how can that help build better companies and societies? Yeah, a lot of the focus has been on the E and G because from a measurement and financial materiality standpoint, E and G are more straightforward, right? If you're able to run your operation with using less energy, you save electricity cost, right? On the other hand, bribery leads to litigation and even bankruptcy, for example. And social is very important. What is it? If you think about it, it's really about stakeholders, including employees, customers, suppliers, and communities. And they're either an essential part of the input of a business operation, or they could be the ones that are paying for the output of the same business. So now you can see how financially material it is. But measurement is not always easy. But the good news is that now we have much more data and there's been a lot of progress, right? So we could really tap into alternative data sources to understand you know, human capital management in certain companies. And also at the same time, there has been a lot more research on how things such as diversity and inclusion can really contribute to better productivity. So I'll give you two examples. Um, McKinsey report in 2020 talked about how they basically looked at companies and what they found is that, um, you know, companies ranked in the uh, top quartile of their executive teams, their gender diversity were like 25% more. And, uh, you know, these companies are able to generate above average profitability than companies in the bottom quartile. 
And also another report by a consultancy, Boston Consulting Group, they also found that both in emerging and developing markets, uh, the same trend also is there, right? Companies with more diverse leadership, they actually are able to have a higher profit margin comparing to the ones that don't have. So I think there is not only better research uh, that shows us how these S issues actually do generate uh, better productivity and potentially financial return for companies, but also we are able to tap into multiple different data sources to have a better understanding of how that actually works. Well, thank you for joining us, Jennifer. And thank you all for listening. Please tune into our next episode where I'll be joined by Yazan Ruma, the CIO for Quantitative Beta Strategies here at JP Morgan Asset Management. This content is intended for information only based on assumptions in current market conditions and are subject to change. No warranty of accuracy is given. This content does not contain sufficient information to support investment decisions. It is not to be construed as research, legal, regulatory, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Investments involve risks. Investors should seek professional advice or make an independent evaluation before investing. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate including loss of capital. Past performance and yield are not indicative of current or future results. Forecasts and estimates may or may not come to pass.